Amen. Would you remain standing and pull out your Bibles as we hear God's word from Ephesians chapter 6. If you would turn there, we're beginning a new sermon series, which will take us from verses 10 all the way through verse 20. So I will read that full passage for us, and Pastor Josh Moody will come and preach the first three verses for us this morning. This is Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is God's word. Amen. Let's take our seats. Well, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Eric. It's great to be uh, with you all this morning, and a very warm welcome. Uh, Let me add my warm welcome to the ones that have already been given to the college students. We're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to doing church uh, together. And a special word of encouragement to the parents who may have some young ones with you. I think you need a word of encouragement as well. As uh, they, I was speaking to the, the volunteers who are meeting downstairs with the children's uh, ministry and uh, encouraging them. And I joked uh, with our volunteers who will be serving our children over the next few months or so that the staff get paid to be good, but you all, you volunteers, you're just good for nothing. And, um, but uh, we really appreciate the volunteers and we want you to join, uh, join them. And I said to them that sometimes we think of serving as losing, but actually biblically serving is gaining. You gain, according to Paul, a great standing in the community and confidence in your faith in Jesus. Anyway, uh, we're so grateful uh, for our children's ministry workers who have been trained uh, downstairs this morning. And we're grateful for you parents going a little bit the extra mile to have all the kids with us in church together as a family, which we also enjoy. Well, as we come now to God's Word, let's bow our heads in prayer as uh, we come to listen to what God has to say to us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that this uh, morning uh, your word would be, as uh, this passage uh, tells us that it is, uh, that is, the sword of the Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, encourage and strengthen, uh, correct uh, where necessary, embolden us, Lord, for this spiritual uh, war. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, friends, we're beginning a new series in the book of Ephesians, and as we begin this uh, new series in the book of Ephesians, it's important, of course, to ask why. Why are we looking at this particular series in Ephesians? And I've got a couple of answers uh, of, for that for us, why we're looking at this particular series at this particular time. And the first answer is because that's the kind of church that we are. Uh, we, uh, you may be looking around for a church as the fall begins and you wonder what kind of church is College Church. We are the kind of church that takes the Bible seriously. Uh, we are the kind of church that wants, as we put it in our motto, to proclaim the gospel. We're going to be rooted in God's Word. Uh, we are going to proclaim God's Word. The, children's who, uh, the, the, the children uh, uh, volunteers who have been trained right now have been trained in teaching God's Word to our children. Uh, you go to cottage group, you're going to hear from God's Word from Pastor Ben. Our youth ministries are all orientated around God's Word. That's the trajectory of our ministries, God's Word. That's what this pulpit is always going to be about, God's Word. We're a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing, Bible-centered church, and that's very important, I think, for people to hear these days. A lot of people have their antennae up for issues of authority and power and all the rest in church life. And so your question might be, who rules College Church? And my answer is Jesus. And you say, well, how does He rule? He rules by His Word. Of course, we have a leadership structure of elders and deacons and all the rest, but everything, our elders, our deacons, our committees, or our accountability structures, everything is all orientated around the Scriptures, around God's Word. And so that's, that's why we're doing this book of Ephesians, because that's the kind of church that we are. We're a church that wants to be driven by God's Word, and that comes out of a theological conviction. The theological conviction is this, that Jesus rules His church, and He rules by His Word. And each Sunday when we gather together, as inevitably, as we go through life, we begin to get out of tune with Jesus, the Bible comes and it's like a tuning fork, and we hear it together, and we get back in tune spiritually. So that's the kind of church we are. But having said that, of course, you might say, well, why then are you looking at just Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 20? It's right at the end of, of the letter to the Ephesians. What about the rest of the book? And of course, that's a very good question. We don't want to look at these verses at the end of the book and not put them in context of the whole book. If you got an email from a friend and it was several paragraphs long, you wouldn't just read the last paragraph and ignore the rest and think you'd understood what your friend was saying. Similarly, when we get into God's Word, we get into the letter of Ephesians, so we look into this, uh, these verses about the armor of God and spiritual warfare and all the rest, as we look into those, we're going to want to set these in the context of the whole. In the context of what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. What is he saying? Well, very simply, uh, uh, here's one very simple way of understanding what Paul's letter to the Ephesians is about. It's uh, split into two halves. The first half, chapters 1 to 3, is all about what Jesus has done, D-O-N-E. It's 
It's all about what Jesus has done. In fact, and I'm going to be encouraging us to read through in our own personal times throughout the week, to read through the letter of Ephesians. If you read through the letter of Ephesians, you'll find that in those first three uh, chapters, every single verb, except perhaps one, and maybe you'll be able to spot which one that is, every single verb is in the indicative. That is, it's a statement. It's not a command. Because the emphasis of those first three chapters over and over again is what Jesus has done. And that's so important for us as a church. You see, you can come to church and you can go away thinking, here's another whole set of rules and instructions and I feel burdened and guilty. But we need to begin always with an understanding and a reminder of what Jesus has done. What he has done on the cross for you. His finished work. So then the burden is released from your shoulders. And that's the first three chapters. And then from chapter 4 onwards, there's the call to do what Jesus has done and therefore to do. So chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In other words, he's saying, look, I've I've laid out all that Jesus has done, and now I want you to do certain things in light of what he has done. Well, that's one very simple way of understanding uh, the letter uh, to the Ephesians. And it's very important as we look at the armor of God to realize the armor of God is all about putting on what Jesus has done. What he has done for us. But there's one other way to understand uh, simply the letter to the Ephesians, and this is by uh, an overall theme that runs through the letter, and that's the theme of the new creation. So, chapter 2, verse 10, the Apostle Paul uh, writes this For we are his workmanship. That's who you are. If you're a Christian, that's your identity. You're his workmanship. You're his artwork. You're his masterpiece. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, this new creation. We didn't make ourselves as Christians. God made us. He created us. You're made by him. You're his new creation. That's who you are. And Paul emphasizes this again when he comes to uh, verse 15 of chapter 2. He says this. Why? Why is he doing all this? That he might create in himself, this is verse 15 of chapter 2, one new man in place of the two, so making peace. See, what you need to understand is that in the ancient world, there was a barrier between Jew and Gentile. That when you went to the temple, there was a wall and a sign by that wall that quite literally said that if you were not Jewish, you could not go beyond that wall into the more holy place. There was a barrier between Jews and the rest of the human races, the rest of the nations. And what Paul is saying is that barrier has been removed through the blood of Jesus. And now, this one new man, this one new creation, that is the new society of Jesus, has been created. And the dividing wall of hostility is removed. 
And so that's so important when we come to look at the armor of God. We often think of the armor of God as an individualistic thing. I, in my own personal faith, am putting on my personal armor. Well, there's a place for that kind of thinking. But actually, the new man, the new person, the new creation is his people. And we together put on the armor of God. And he has divided, he has, he has abolished the dividing wall of hostility through the blood of Jesus. That's so important that we understand. These days in the world, there are so many different remedies that people are trying to come up with to deal with these dividing walls of hostility between Jew and Arab, between Afghanistan and other races, between black and white, between all these different socioeconomic issues and what the Bible is saying is that the dividing wall of hostility is broken down by the blood of Jesus. And he then creates a new people through the power of his grace. Of course, that's, if that's the case, we need to live up to it. And then Paul says in chapter 4, verse 24, remember the structure of what he has done and therefore what we are to do. Chapter 4, verse 24, he says this, therefore put on... Put on the new self, we don't have time to get into all that he means by the new self, but it's this new personality, this new, this new character that is Christ's. We together are to put on the new self, created this new creation after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that's another way of understanding what the letter to the Ephesians is about. This new creation, this new people where the dividing wall of hostility is broken down. We're one. Over and over again in chapter 4, he, he says, because you are one, therefore be one. Because you are united in Christ, therefore make every effort to keep that unity that you have. Because the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down by the blood of Jesus, put on the new self in righteousness and holiness. And then when he comes to the armor of God, and when we come to consider the armor of God, we need to have all that in mind so that we can clearly understand that this armor of God is the gospel Jesus has done that we're then to put on as we fight this spiritual battle. So the question is, why are we looking at this letter to the Ephesians? And my answer is that it's because we're that kind of church. We're the kind of church that digs into the Bible. But of course, you might say, well, why this particular passage? Why this particular emphasis over the next few weeks or months or however long it takes us? Why this particular emphasis on this armor of God and the spiritual warfare? My answer to that is quite simply this. My sense is that Christians feel more embattled right now than they have done for many decades. There is a very profound sense, and I I was talking to people off the 8 o'clock service and talking to people this week, there's a very profound sense that we all have that in an acute way, we Christians feel like we are in a spiritual war. And if that's the case, 
in a special way right now, we need to think of what the Bible says about it. Because if Christians feel like that, then they go and battle in the wrong way. They go and fight against each other or against other people. When Paul specifically says, our fight is not against flesh and blood. So it's not that, but then what is it? And we need to think about that together. As I say, I think it is a matter of great pertinent relevance. I want to read out for you one quotation that I think will make that clear. It's uh, from a message given by a man called Harold J. Ockengay. Harold J. Ockengay was in his prime a long time before I was alive. And this is from an address that he gave, I think, at the end of the 1940s, perhaps the beginning of the 1950s, to the National Association of Evangelicals. Harold J. Ockengay was hugely influential in the evangelical movement during his life. He was the pastor of Park Street in Boston, massive, many thousand member church, and involved in all sorts of things. In many ways, he was Billy Graham's pastor, Carl Henry, and those three and others got together to do uh, work for God uh, in the earlier part of the 20th century. And Harold Ockengay said this in his message to uh, the National Association of Evangelicals at the end of the 1940s, early 1950s. Listen, this nation in its maturity is passing through a crisis enmeshing Western civilization. Confusion exists on every hand. We are living in a very difficult and bewildering time, but few people realize what tremendous change we are undergoing. He carries on. The hour has arrived when the people of this nation must think deeply or be damned. We must recognize that we're standing at the crossroads, and there are only two ways that lie open before us. One is the road of the rescue of Western civilization by a re-emphasis on the revival of evangelical Christianity. The other is a return to the dark ages of heathendom, which powerful force is emerging in every phase of our lives today. My friends, I want to suggest to you that that is a prophetic word, that we're living in a time of great spiritual conflict, and therefore we need to think through carefully the spiritual warfare. Well, having uh, used up most of my time talking about why we need to study this, we've got less time to talk about what it is that we're looking at and how to do it, but let me do that uh, briefly for us. And the answer to, to what is the whole armor of God. So verse 11 of uh, chapter 6, Paul puts it like this, put on the whole armor of God. Or verse 13, therefore take up the whole 
armor of God. Now, what exactly it means to put on the whole armor of God, obviously, we're going to spend some time uh, looking at over the next uh, few weeks or so. But what I want you to notice and to emphasize this morning is the word whole. Uh, So often, Christians, individuals, um, emphasize one particular piece of the armor. They they emphasize uh, the, uh, the Word of God, but not praying in the Spirit. Uh, they, they emphasize um, the, the, the security that we have as Christians with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, but, but not the urgency of evangelism with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Or as so often today, the belt of truth that, that what we believe is true or that there is truth is uh, sidelined. And of course, then the whole thing uh, falls apart. No, it's the whole armor of God. And as I say, we'll be looking at what that means together over the next uh, few weeks or so. But I want you to uh, read through, as I said, this letter uh, in your own time. And one extra resource that I would commend to you is uh, perhaps the um, the most profound and best bit of writing ever produced on the armor of God uh, was produced by a pastor of a, small, uh, of a church in a small town in England called Lavenham, um, and which, by the way, is spelled L-A-V-E-N-H-A-M, just to confuse our American friends. And the pastor's name was William Gurnall, and the book was called The Christian in Complete Armor, And I commend it to you with the warning that it is 600 pages long. But I will buy it for you if you promise to read it. If 400 come up asking, they will promise afterwards. Perhaps I'll have to rethink. But uh, so far, no one has taken me up on the offer. You put on the whole armor of God. Well, the question, of course, then is how? And the answer that Paul gives is twofold. There are two answers to that. First, in his strength. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Well, we so need that, don't we? You and I are so weak. And what is more, these days, uh, it used to be that you could shut yourself off from temptation. You could go into your room in your dorm or at home and lock the door, shut the door, and be away from temptation. But these days, it comes with you wherever you go. And we all feel that. And so we need to be strong in the strength of His might. And that author, William Gurnall, that I mentioned just earlier emphasizes when he teaches on this that we need to remember that his might is all mighty. Not somewhat mighty, not mighty in some circumstances, not temporarily mighty, but all mighty. 
And when perhaps you're feeling overwhelmed by your schedule this fall or overwhelmed by issues in your personal life, let me encourage you to remember that you can be strong in His strength, and His strength is all mighty. So the first way, uh, uh, as I say, we're going to be briefer at the end because I spent so long on the why and then the what, the complete arm of the how in His strength that is almighty. The second way to be how, uh, how is to stand, very simply. He says this, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then verse 13 Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And uh, that phrase, the evil day, suggests that Paul was aware that while we're always in a spiritual warfare, there are times of particularly intense battle. As I've already indicated, I think we're in one of those times. To withstand, to stand, and then having done all, to stand firm. So the emphasis of Scripture that Paul here is reflecting and, um, and teaching is that in the spiritual battle, our role, because we're strong in His strength, and He's the one who wins the battle, our role is simply to stand. We're not running ahead, and we're not retreating and hiding. We're standing. And of course, that means that we need to stand up for truth and stand firm. And I think actually Paul here is, uh, as I say, reflecting the Bible's teaching on this consistently, particularly often taught in the Old Testament, the way the people of God won their battles was through God's power and his strength, and I think probably in Paul's mind is particularly the famous instance when uh, Moses, with the people of God, stood before the Red Sea with the Egyptian army behind them and no way forward, and this is what uh, Moses said, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Stand, therefore. Well, we've begun our series in this uh, matter of spiritual warfare. And I think we've covered all we can this morning, so let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Lord God, we do thank you that uh, your word is an anchor. And uh, we seek, Lord, to be um, grounded and um, secure in your word. We pray, Lord, that uh, the sword of your spirit would uh, do the work that we asked it to, to do at the beginning of this time. And we pray particularly, Lord, that uh, you would cause us as a church, united as one new creation, to stand firm in the whole, uh, in your strength, in your whole, the whole armor that you give us. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.